All right. And so I, um, speaking of being a woman, being a member of a marginalized group, you have some uh, thoughts about what's going on in the Des Moines City Council. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's so bad. I feel like the greatest way to radicalize people is just to like show them how things work now. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that they were up to shenanigans for like years, especially like after people really started going in the since the uprisings in 2020. Um, and they like ha- have been like targeting people or targeting black folks and then people speaking out for black folks, arresting people for like exercise their First Amendment rights, like, dragging people through a bunch of trials. The stark difference, too, between, like, the lack of support and resources and leadership around the pandemic, too, and then, you know, look what they are paying for. MRAPs, Bearcats, rubber bullets, tear gas, like, there's plenty of money and resources for that, like, to enforce injustice and, like, the status quo and racism. But when people are actively, like, going into work situations where they could be exposed to a lethal disease, like, there's nothing around that. No, no way. So, yeah, it's been a very radicalizing few years for sure. Yeah. And I kind of feel like my, I've always been like somewhat involved in politics. I got like really involved in politics after I started at Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I started like 2015, 2016 is when I started actually going to the legislature and speaking at subcommittees and started writing my national representatives. (laughs) And like, just like, That's when my radicalizing process really began, and the reason wasn't things happening as much as, like, me attempting to engage in the system in the way that everyone always told me you should and seeing how fucking worthless it is and, like, how, like, little of a difference it makes. Like, I think if there's, like, one thing I wish that people, like, one fact that sticks in my mind and I think about it almost every single day, and that is in American governance, um, when they do statistical analyses, the impact of of public opinion on whether or not a law or a bill should be passed has a statistically insignificant impact. So it is just like the impact of chance and the impact of whether people want this bill are have equal <laughs> oh my like no i'm serious like statistically yeah. insignificant like there is absolutely there is no statistical relationship between like public opinion about whether we yeah. should do something and um whether said thing is actually passed like that is such a radicalizing fact to me and that has been played out at every single like i i feel like i just started like trying to engage at all these different points, like at the national level by like, um, you know, going to town halls and yelling at Chuck Grassley and sending letters and sending emails and making phone calls and then going to the state house and going to the subcommittee and then writing stuff for the media. And now the past two months, I've been involved with People's Town Hall and going to the city council meetings and every single place where I try to engage in every single way I try to operate the like fake levers of power that they teach you in high school civics class it's like further radicalized me because it doesn't make a fucking difference and one thing that like I have been thinking a lot in the last day since this information that I'm about to talk about has come out is like the like most vile liberals that I absolutely hate 
who will talk about like the importance, like the most important thing we need to do is like civics lessons for people. Yeah, and, like and for people our to be engaged democracy and yeah. our right to vote. And it's like, no. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> like it's it's like that it doesn't matter. And you're believing in a fantasy. Like this is a fantasy. This is fake. What you learn in high school civics is fake. There is no real reason to engage or learn or not to engage, to like learn the rules of American governance because there are no rules to it. The rules only exist in far as they protect white supremacy and capital. Um, and as soon as you use those rules to protect marginalized groups or you use those rules to gain any modicum of power for marginalized groups, those rules will change. Yep. They are not permanent. There is no need to have a fancy political education to like join in activism at all because you don't need to know any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. The important thing to know is just that like white supremacy will protect itself. Development interests will protect itself. Money will protect itself. And so those rules only apply until they don't work to protect those things anymore. Um, And it's like pretty fucking crazy. So I just fucking got chills. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, um, it's just like wild. So city council, I have, so shout out to Adam Kalanian, um, who is on People's Town Hall with me and is just like an absolutely relentless advocate and like such a cool person. He's at Kalanian Adam on Twitter. If you, I would encourage you to go and follow him because he does a lot of research and writing about this stuff and is like one of the best people I've ever met. Um, and so he did a thread about this, but basically this, at the end of this week, in retaliation to Indira calling for the warming center that I talked about on our last main feed episode, the city council made a bunch of rule changes. And basically there's, there's no explanation for it besides they are rule changes that strip the power of any one individual council member. And so everything that Indira was trying to use her power to do now requires two council people. And that's just a like perfect example of how it will protect itself. So you say like, you know, you're, you get mad and then like, self-righteous obnoxious liberals will tell you like you know if you if you don't like it you should run for it you should run and you should change it and so she runs she gets elected and then they just change the goalposts again and make it so she can't do the motion for a warming center she and someone else must do the and then if you elect another person this next round then it'll be three then it'll be a majority it's like it's always going to change so you have to understand like as an activist that like these this is not the route through which change is made it's important that you have like a full court press and that means that you are showing up to like stuff like city council meetings because like it it is valuable to like show public pressure but that you can't think that that's going to change anything because the system is going to protect itself mm-hmm. and the real reason that you should show up to these things is to amplify what's going on so that other people in the public who would be outraged can see it to like heighten the contradictions between like someone like Indira and someone else on the council who like is actively voting against public input like it's important to do I think but I don't want people to have any misconceptions about whether it's going to matter it's like if you if you elect one black person, then they're just going to change it. So you have to have a second person who the and the effect of this is that 
a rich white person has to sign off on everything that Indira wants to do. That's the effect, right? Yeah. If you're saying in order to pass a motion, you have to have someone second it, there is one black person and the entire rest of the council is rich white people. So basically saying, sure, Indira can do something as long as that thing that she wants to do is co-signed by a white person. Oh, my God. And it's like, it's just fucking outrageous. It's racist. It's anti-democratic. And I just want to read some of the things that Adam tweeted about it because... Who is... So, Natalie, who is enacting it? Is it the council itself consolidating their power? Yep. Correct. The council and specifically the mayor because a lot of the rule changes... I mean, everything is just, like, enforced by him. So there's also, like, some of the things are, like, about civility and politeness. And so you could see theoretically say, like, oh, those exist because Joe Gatto is fucking a racist asshole who talks over people. (laughs) But it's not going to be enforced against Jogato. So, no. like, that's the other thing is it's, like, about the enforcement of the rules as well. Mm-hmm. So I am going to read some of the changes that they made. So Adam has a thread. I'm going to retweet it when we release this episode so people can read it. But he said, the last time council changed this many rules at once was August 17, 2020. And then if People remember, or if they were cognizant at the time, that was, like, shortly after they shut down the council meeting calling for um, defunding the Des Moines PD. They're committed to the strategy of shutting down meetings and changing the rules as retaliation against Black folks speaking. Regardless if those speaking are residents or council members, it's that petty and blatantly racist. And he said, I'm going to cover every rule change because he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) So they're changing requests to speak again. So before they said that any citizen was allowed to speak. But now they are limiting it to Des Moines residents, property owners, and city taxpayers. So they're laying out exactly who it is that they believe has a right to speak. And it's interesting because, you know, the way someone is validated as being a Des Moines resident is they have to provide an address. Well, many Des Moines residents don't have an address. Mm -hmm. And many people, it wouldn't be possible to verify their address because they're renters. So you'd have to ask someone for a copy of their lease. It's like, it's absurd. So they're going to start everyone who signs up, like actually going and verifying that they have a valid address that they live at, which is absurd. One, because there are people who are impacted by the policies of Des Moines. Yeah. Like the out, outlying areas, rural areas surrounding Des Moines, the suburbs, or even people of color who live in different areas of the state. Like there are stakeholders here who are not being accounted for. But when you have someone like a developer who does not live here, is not a resident, they're covered under property owners. So we can Jesus have out-of-state developers Christ. come in and speak because they <laughs> their interests are covered. So uh, it gets worse. The mayor will now be mandating that council members use a courteous tone and avoid interjecting any personal note to debate. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They're placing a five-minute limit on council member remarks and giving the mayor discretion to cut the time shorter than that. The city clerk now has to verify people's addresses before they're allowed to speak, who is already a fucking maniac with the, like, limited power that she does have. Like, I can tell you from, like, having a lengthy exchange with her is trying to exclude me to the agenda, um, which I won, for the record. Yeah, it was only um, when you threatened to fucking sue them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You better believe I threatened to sue them. (laughs) Yeah. 
better than they deserve. God, it's just like, I'm sorry, but if you, if you're not like the, the tone policing of it too, it's like, if you're not angry about what's happening, like you're not paying attention. And it's just like this myth of an outside agitator coming in. It's easier to believe that there are like these radicals trying to bring all these like crazy socialist policies to Des Moines, Iowa, than like your actual (laughs) constituents fucking care about this. And oh my God, it's, this is absolutely infuriating. Just uh, get mad, stay mad, guys. <laughs> get mad, stay mad. Um, so, Rule 29, they're cutting speaking time for the public down from five minutes to three minutes. Rule 31, since they elected one council person, the city is changing a few rules that require more than one council person to do things. It's in the other rules, but it's direct here. They require a majority to discuss matters not on the agenda now. So one of the things that has happened um, at the the first meeting that we had in Dira at is they, so at a city council meeting, and I, I just like, I really want to, because the barrier of entry to going to this stuff is like really fucking high. Yeah. Like what the fuck is happening? Like the bureaucracy of it, the way the agendas are written, it's so confusing and overwhelming. And so when I first started going, I felt so stupid. So like, I want like as much as I can do to like make this accessible to people. So when a city council releases an agenda, there are two parts to it. There's something called the consent agenda and then the hearing agenda. And the consent agenda is the part of the agenda that's just like a list of things that are considered so non-controversial that they are not going to allow public comment on it or open it for any kind of debate. And so they they hide tons of stuff in there, especially like police funding. They just say like, oh, that's non-controversial. We're just like a, a, a straight up and down vote, no public comment. So they like tighten and tighten and tighten and tighten the amounts of things that are allowed public comment on. Um, and so one thing Indira did is it used to be um, before she was elected that any council person could pull something from the consent agenda and say, actually, I want to allow public comment yeah. on this. Um, and so she was pulling things, which is something I've never seen anyone else do because they don't care what the public thinks. And in particular, there was about police funding and then about hostile architecture for homeless people. I don't think anyone in the community I mean that's so non-controversial like (laughs) no one has any opinions about that no (laughs) Jesus Um, yeah that's why it took a fucking a half hour to discuss the hostile architecture thing when she did pull it because it was so non-controversial it's like it just proves that like that shouldn't have been on the consent agenda in the first place because the hostile architecture one when they pulled it there was like fully a half hour of discussion on it and it's like if this was supposed to be on the consent agenda why were we able to talk about this for a half hour Mm -hmm. but so now it's like you know it has to be seconded by something so if indira wants to pull it we have to be sure that a white person you know is is rubber stamping that that is the effect that this has and i'm sure like there are people who would be like you know it's not a race thing but it's like okay whatever who the fuck cares though because that's the impact it has is that there is one black council person and if they want to do something it has to be co-signed by one of the white people there that's the impact of it and it's it's absolutely absurd and it's like such a fucking farce like when she would attempt to pull things from the consent agenda it would go to a vote from the council and everyone would vote against letting the public comment and it's like why? 
how can they claim to have any kind of and for the record like many of these people are democrats and um, oh i'm sure yeah like yeah. this is this is a, a cross the board problem this is not a like you know they don't but they just don't believe in allowing public comment because it like waste their time and they're going to do whatever they want anyway. It shows how scared they are of her too and the people that she represents. Yes. Yes, which I'm going to get to in his thread here. So he said, here's the big one that's a direct retaliation against Indira's motion for a 24-hour warning center. Any motion now has to be seconded. So Indira cannot make any motion without getting another council person or person's approval. We're pointing out that everyone else is white and rich. Another change, a, any motion to reconsider must be maybe made by a council member and seconded by a different council member. So you can see the edits they'd made because they're in different colors. And it's just wild to see like all the blue edits that are like and seconded by another one and seconded by another one. And like, it's just like, it's like how the, the Democrats like nationally move the goalposts and say yeah. like, we have a majority now, but the reason things aren't getting done is because you need to elect more of us. And it's like, no, it'll just be changed again. So like, you can mm-hmm. say this and we will go and follow all the rules and we will hit the streets and we will elect a second council person and it'll be changed to three or it'll be changed to a majority. Like you can't, you can't win within the system because the system isn't built to respond to like any kind of democratic pressure it's built to protect developers and moneyed interests and Mm -hmm. white people council members cannot speak on more than four items on the consent agenda without majority approval worth noting the consent (laughs) agenda is explicitly for non-controversial items so they're admitting they use the consent agenda to block comments even from counselors if a council member wants to comment on a consent agenda item then it's clearly controversial because they are wanting to speak on it. So they it shouldn't be there in the first place. There shouldn't be like a limit on the number that you can pull. That's absurd. Members of the public can also no longer request to remove items from the consent agenda, which is something that we have been doing, is looking at the agenda ahead of time and then emailing and trying to get things pulled off of there, which never works. They just throw it away. But like it used to be that you could put forth that request and now you can't. This one's a rule 40. This one's especially dubious given the previous special meeting. And Dira's motion for warming centers was not included in the minutes. They seem to be planning on blocking any motions in Dira's makes and calling them fails. So it means there isn't going to be any documentation that she did this and was shut down. Um, because no. if someone de- if someone doesn't second it, then you don't put it in the minutes at all. So even if she makes a motion for a warming center, oh if someone doesn't second it, they're not going to write down that it happened at all. It's just considered to be failed. 41 and 42, more stuff about needing a second person, more, more, more. And he said, and that's all. My math is sloppy, but they're changing around 13 rules, and there are around 47 rules. That's 25% of the rules being changed. It's not a coincidence that the rules are not publicly released by the city, and anytime they do come into question and get uplifted, the city changes them immediately. The city is constantly messy and breaks its own rules, so when they caught, they just change it. Every rule change here is an admission of guilt, and every rule change yeah. here is racist. And to cover their own tracks, too. Like, yep. it's even worse, too, because they're trying to prevent anything being entered into the record. Uh, it, it just goes so deep, and it's so messed up. Yep. Content warning, we will be taking the Lord's name in vain in this episode. <laughs> this is, Jesus Christ, this is fucked up. <laughs> 
So he said, there are some gotcha moments here where we could say, well, it's against the rules for Gato to be rude now. But that's not real. These rules exist at the behest of the mayor, and 25% of the city rules are being rewritten to retaliate against the only black council member. Yeah. These rules also target the public, and I think this is, like, the most important thing that he said, and that has been just, like, rattling around in my head for the last 12 Mm -hmm. hours. It's pretty clear they see the connection between Indira and the public as a threat, which should raise the question of why none of the other council members have any visible connection to the public, Mm -hmm. which... The reason for that is simple, and that's because Indira is there representing the public. So the public is showing up to be connected to Indira, to speak up for her, to, like, back up what she says. Like, because she is speaking for the big groups of people that show up there. No one else ever has people show up like that. And that's because the people they're representing are automatically represented. No rich person or white pro-police person or developer generally feels the need to show up there because they know they're going to be represented whether they're there or not. Um, And the public has no such guarantee. And it's just like, it's pretty absurd to think about how... Um, no one else sitting on that council can point to any group of people who, like, shows up to, like, stand up for their viewpoint or, or yeah. like, is listened to by the public or has any kind of connection the way she does. Mm-hmm. And the thing they're always going to say is, like, well, you're just a vocal minority. And it's, like, that is, like, there's... There's no way to push back about that because the one time, um, like, Josh Mandelbaum said that to me, I was, like okay, can you show me the emails of this, like, silent majority that is, like, reaching out to you and clamoring for you to do, like, X, Y, or Z? Because it's, like, this is just an excuse. Like, it's so stark that, like, no other council person has any kind of connection to, like, a big group of constituents, doesn't have people show up. There's no, like, visible connection to the public. And so these things, if you're targeting Indira, who, like, clearly has 25, 30 people show Mm -hmm. up to speak for her to give the chance to speak and then to speak on her behalf, like, why don't other people have that? Yeah. Um, And it's because they don't, you know, the people who are represented by, like, Linda Westergren doesn't feel the need to show up because they know that money is represented already. They don't need to be It there. exemplifies, too, like, the, the reason that everyone on the council other than Indira is choosing to be part of the council. Like, if they don't care about their constituents, they're doing it to protect their own interests or the interests of people like them or for their own fucking egos. Like, yes. if they don't have those connections to the people they allegedly serve, like... Why are they there in the fucking first place? To get contracts for their own businesses, like Josh Mandelbaum or Joe Gatto. It's like they're yeah. they're benefiting personally, financially doing this or, you know, standing up and representing the interest of other people who are white homeowners. You know, it's just, it's disgusting. And he said, um, broader historical note, with this, there will have been 17 amendments to the rules since 1987. 1987. How many years is that? A lot. Uh, more than we've been alive (laughs) yeah oh i can do the math with my age yeah so like yeah 33 years in 33 years um there have been 17 amendments to the rules 40 percent of those seven out of the 17 have been since 2020 in the in the george floyd protest and 25 percent of those have been since indira was elected oh my god i mean just like 
it makes you like <laughs> stick to your stomach and it like makes you worried because like I mean if if you guys have are aware of her or if you've listened to the episode where we interviewed her like she is so strong and like so inspiring as a leader and it makes you realize like how exhausting and how like upsetting and frustrating it can be to do the things that you're told will help you make an impact like well if if you care about it so much run for office and then you do and then you win and then <laughs> the as as you you know so perfectly outlined Natalie like the goalposts change and it's just like how demoralizing is that how exhausting is that so hopefully everyone like do what you can, like show up to these meetings and, you know, donate to her. Like that was something that she mentioned to you on our episode was like to be able to continue to do this work and establish these relationships with the people who are, you know, I hate the term like underserved, but that's, I think the the word that folks use to describe these people who aren't represented or have the ability to you know, have their interests at all protected, like for her to be able to continue to do that work is asking a lot of, of one person. And I know she has a great team and people that she trusts. And hopefully like we're getting the word out a little bit about it by amplifying some of this stuff, but like do what you can to support her because she had an uphill battle and they've just made it exponentially more difficult for her to accomplish what people overwhelmingly elected her to do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. She won by 10 points. Yeah. And so this is not... Oh, that's a a vocal minority, though, Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, this is targeting the public. This is targeting the, like, democratic rights of the public. Like, this is not just, like, about, like, a personal grievance for Indira. It's like she was elected because she promised that she would represent an actual, like, majority opinion and represent, like, the masses and... You know, they are, like, shutting down the ability, you know, when there was an all-white council, any one council person could pull something from the consent agenda. Any Mm -hmm. one council person could make a motion. But as soon as it's not all-white anymore, you require the cosign of a white person. (laughs) It's just so aggravating, and it makes you want to scream. But also, like, she's not stopping fighting, and so you shouldn't either. And Mm -hmm. you should never like attempt your best to like not feel demoralized because like you just have to remember that electoralism is fake and it's worthless and you can there's only so much that can ever be done that way Mm -hmm. and it's much more a tool to support the activism outside the system so who came up with democracy i mean who invented it like (laughs) You can't just win power within the system that it exists. Yeah. Like, that's it just isn't how it works. Like, they lie to you in social studies class. It's like a scam. Like, it's, throw everything out of your brain. You learned about American government in high school. They were, like, fucking lying to you. This is a machine that serves capital, and there is value of showing up to it, and there is value to fighting it. But you can't think that working within the system itself is going to solve problems because it's not it's just like one pressure point and it's like often just as much a like kind of public relations pressure point of like you just have to show people which is why i wanted to talk about this today is like you just have to like show people what's happening so that they'll get angry and you know hopefully bigger and bigger numbers will reach out to these people and 
I don't know. It's disgusting. And the, like, civility stuff is so disgusting to me, too, because, like, so the mayor thinks that people are disrespectful, but he is a hundred times less civil by, like, using the state and state violence to arrest and brutalize people. But because he is, like, able to use those levers and then have a soft-spoken voice within the city council meetings themselves, you get to claim that you're civil. And you have to remember (laughs) that, like, you could never be more uncivil to to them than they are to you simply by existing within the power system that they have. They can use state violence, a state military force, to brutalize you and your neighbors and community members and to enforce arbitrary rules while they are, like, being so de- so respectful to you. Like, you can never say something so rude to Josh Mandelbaum that it unbalances the way that he has brutalized the public by, like, his corruption and, like, self-dealing and, like, support of the police. And, like, it's like you can, like, this is just fake. Like, swearing at them or sending them nasty emails, like, you should do that. It's good. Like, fuck them. Like, <laughs> like I can tell you, like, I, you you should send them mean emails and, and ask them if they know that they're going to hell because, like, <laughs> because they have, like, you can never be more uncivil than they already are to the public. Like, this is uncivil. Like, it is uncivil yeah. to strip the rights of the public to engage with their own government. It is uncivil to give money to a police force that brutalizes our community of col- communities of color. It is uncivil to silence Black community members. So, you know, saying a bad word it can never approach that. So just, like, show up and send me an email to to your local government officials. Stand up for your neighbors. Don't have any, like, don't actually think that you can work within the system to change things because you can't. I don't know. That's all I have to say about that. We can move on to something more funny. But I really, I really wanted to highlight that and have people, like, kind of know what's going on. And even if you're not in Des Moines area, like, these, the things that Des Moines is doing are being replicated in Iowa City and in Cedar Rapids Mm -hmm. as there are, like, Similar, like in Iowa City, there are like similar activism groups kind of like building and doing similar tactics to their pressure their own city council. And they're going to be copying these tactics. They're yeah. going to be like taking the model of DMPD and the city council and using them against their own citizens, too. So it's important to know, even if you don't live here, because it's coming to your area, too. If you're an Iowan, this is our capital city. Like this is a city that is supposed to... <laughs> lead the rest of the the state right like and you know to your point Natalie even if you live outside of Iowa like yeah this is very important and you spend a minute of time looking into it and it's just so apparent how corrupt it is how monstrous it is how racist it is fuck god damn (laughs) yeah so give Indira some money give Jalen some money tell people about it I mean tell people Tell yeah. people about it. Those well-meaning liberals who think, oh, our democracy is is in danger. Bitch. <laughs> democracy is rotten. Yeah, it's rotten to its core. Like, the whole system is completely, completely messed up. So even if you just are able to share some of the more, even like, 
optically how bad some of this stuff is. God, they're so bad. Like they're so bad. They're really bad. Like <laughs> I mean, are they all like twirling their little cartoon mustaches about this shit? Like it's so fucked up. Yeah. Let people know. Get mad, stay mad. Yeah. 